Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. before we hop into today's episode, wanted to let you know that the last seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge of 2022 is upon us. It is December 7th through the 13th. You can head to the show notes for more information. Click the link challenge.thefastingforlife.com forward slash registration. Yes, the last challenge of the year is here. The next challenge is not until February 1st of 2023. So if you've been thinking about it, now is the time. Don't miss out. You can not only get massive momentum in your weight loss and health journey starting 2023, but you can get results now. Strategically place this challenge right between Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. So we hope to see you on the inside. Head to the show notes, click the link. And now to today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Scott, how are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. I am excited about today's conversation because mm-hmm. we are going to unpack some interesting studies that we just came across, a calorie study. I love what they did there, right? right. Yeah. We're going to talk about an article written by Stronger by Science, Does Food Timing Matter for Weight Loss? And then we're going to have some takeaways on how this applies to a fasting lifestyle and what it is that we teach, preach, and live here on the Fasting for Life podcast. So welcome in Mm -hmm. to all of the new listeners. If this is your first couple of episodes with us, please feel free to head back to episode zero and episode one to learn more about why we're here, why we're doing it, what we're doing, how we ended up here, what our results were, and what we've been doing since. You got plenty Mm -hmm. of podcast episodes to catch up on as well. I appreciate you guys giving us a shot here. And for all of the long-term listeners, we appreciate your continuing you know, ability to show up and engage, send us questions, leave us reviews, and let the podcast gods know that we are doing something good and bringing value to the podcast world and this fasting lifestyle Mm -hmm. slash weight loss. So Tommy, today, a couple things. Got this article, right? Because I I came across and it was written and it said, does food timing matter for weight loss? And it references a study that the associations between the timing of eating and weight loss in calorically restricted healthy adults, and it was an article that was written and really to discuss the findings from the calorie study. Now, Mm -hmm. going down the rabbit hole, the calorie study has an entire website, Mm calorie.duke.edu, and it is a two-phase study funding provided by the National Institute on Aging, and the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. So the idea here is we've got a lot to unpack in terms of framework, but then how are we going to you know, digest all of this down into <laughs> what I'm doing with fasting? Is this a sustainable, long-term, healthy approach to weight loss and more importantly, a healthy metabolic state in the body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if, if we have a history of looking at a calorie, 
and maybe potentially tracking them or counting calories, trying to build in some sort of caloric restriction, especially so that I can potentially, you know, get better balance with my hormones or reduce my overall body fat or something along those lines, which, you know, most of us in the general population have been there or are still there now. And so, um, oftentimes the, these kind of questions come up because circadian rhythms are, are oftentimes implicated in things like hormonal resistance, weight loss resistance, other things like that. And so when we start to talk about fasting, then there's, there's so many ways to skin a cat, as they say, we can, we can, you know, restrict that to a number of, of hours. Potentially, we see some longer fasts where people do multi-day fast. But even, even just within like a 16-8 or an 18-6 kind of window, where do I put that window? Does it matter? Should I eat in the morning versus the evening? Is a calorie just a calorie? If I bring in 500 calories at 8 a.m., is that the same in my body as 8 p.m.? Well, you know, th that's what this study was was looking to do and answer some of those questions. Yeah, and, and it was interesting because it was – it was kind of getting into the nitty gritty, right? Like small mm -hmm. details of where the variants, where the percentages, what was the outcomes, right? But the bigger yeah. picture was that, I love that it kind of referenced up to that calorie study, which is that phase two study that we shared from Duke. Mm -hmm. And it was looking at calorie restriction, right? Well, is normal calorie restriction versus fasting, you know, which one's viable? Time-restricted eating, time-restricted feeding, however you want to word that, right? Right. So when we look at the comprehensive assessment of long-term effects of reducing intake of energy, that's the calorie model in itself. And that clinical trial was the first study to focus specifically on the effects of sustained CR, calorie restriction in humans, mm -hmm. right? So the two different phases, right? So phase one was three single pilot randomized controlled studies looking at different levels of caloric restriction, looking at BMIs between 25 and 30. And then the second phase of the study was the two-year study, which is really cool because now we're talking about long-term, right? So mm. I'm sure some of you have heard, you know, and we do not endorse this for long-term maintenance and sustainability, mm -hmm. being eating 800 to 1200 calories a day for long periods of time will absolutely wreak havoc right. on your weight loss <laughs> and your health over time. Yeah, We don't want to be... Yeah, and your sanity, okay? We don't want to be in that. So if you're a chronic dieter, a chronic weight loss, you know, repeat offender, right? As we used yep, to be. I was there. Mm -hmm. Yep, raising yep. our hands, right? Hands up. Mm -hmm. It gets more difficult because you know the work. The body starts to push against you. You're in a chronic state of restriction and your mm -hmm. body's going, no, I got other important stuff to do here. So I love right. that this calorie study is zooming out to look at this long-term kind of approach to can we... What does it look like to be in a 20 to 25% deficit? And is that yeah. going to increase our health span and our lifespan? And does it have long-term effects on some of the metabolic health factors like BMI, total cholesterol, LDL, triglycerides, mm -hmm. blood pressure, et cetera? Yeah. And what is it doing to our overall waistline too? Because yeah, just that 25% deficit, um, for example, like if, if you're at 2000 calories and then you, you punched into your app that you wanted to lose one pound a week, well, it's going to tell you that, that that's going to be a 500 calorie deficit per day. That's a 25% reduction. You should be at 1500 calories and, th and then you'll be right on track, right? Just a, just a straight line, linear graph. Here's how it's going to look one pound per week. Of course, we all know that's not how it ends up. And the interesting thing was that this study started to separate those results to start to explain some of that because what, what we see is that it's absolutely not going to, to predict. In fact, only 41% 
of the overall results of calorie restriction were being predicted by the level of calorie restriction. And when I when I read that, it, it no, that's got to be backwards. That's what <laughs> right. I thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, like because I remember feeling that so many times, but also feeling like, okay, am I broken? Am I am I lying to myself somehow? Is this app that far off? How are my results so far away from what's being predicted? But this this study is absolutely showing that that's to be expected. Forty one percent, you know, oh, prediction yeah. rate in in the caloric restriction model. There was a point in time when MFP, my mm -hmm. fitness pal, for me, yeah. the MF would really stand out some mornings. <laughs> be like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if I want to deal with you today, right? And hopefully yeah. that resonates with some of you because yeah. it's like, well, screwed up today. I might as well just open the window. I might as well just right. keep doing it, right? I'm not like, able to predict anything anyway. Like, I feel like mind, I'm throwing my hands up every morning. Never yeah. mind. Let's talk about what the scale does to me every day, right? Which is right. something we unpack a ton. I mean, that is like two whole days on that during our seven-day challenge, right? Like, yeah. that is, we're going to free you from that and actually show you why it's a bad tracking metric. And yeah. How, so, yeah, if you've only got a 41% confidence interval in what you if you're doing it perfect and sticking yes. to the plan yes. the best outcome is to know that 41 percent is going to be related to that calorie restriction so yeah so where's the other 60 where's the other 59 percent where is it coming from and like can we do better than that and like can we can we actually you know predict what's going to happen well in some cases we we might be able to but some of it's kind of built into to the method of caloric restriction in and of itself yeah, so the the article, you know, does food timing matter for weight loss? And the the article that was in Science Direct, the associations between the timing of eating and weight loss in calorically restricted healthy adults, mm -hmm. discussing the findings from the calorie study. This was the phase one discussion, right? Okay. So this had those three different models that they were looking at. And these were all looked at in, you know, healthy weight individuals, because they want to know health span, lifespan, changes in metrics, right? And the cool thing mm -hmm. was that in this phase one, when they were looking at, you know, some of the middle-aged subjects, the BMI, the total cholesterol, the LDL, the triglycerides, the systolic BP, the diastolic BP, all increased dramatically with the calorie mm. restriction. But some of those small percentages, right? So we had 41% due to the restriction. Where were some of those other small little hidden percentages? And did they even really matter? Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are those levers, right? Right. So Shorter eating intervals, 1%, facilitate 1%, additional okay. weight loss. Yeah. We're really going to land the plane here, everybody, I promise. <laughs> 6%, ooh, okay. is less day-to-day -day variation in your first meal time. Ah, okay. If you've ever done our fast start guide with our mini masterclass, mm -hmm. choose your meal. Stick to it. We're going to talk about consistency here in a minute, right? Choose yeah. your meal. 2% was regular first meal timing. So not just variation, but that consistency over time, right? Mm -hmm. And then regular timing of the last meal, 1%, and then also an increase in, or a greater increase in the caloric restriction was another 1%. Mm. Yeah, and whenever you increase your caloric restriction, it feels like that's kind of your only lever at right. the time, or, or one of the big ones, like it feels like it should do a lot, but just the fact that it was only 1% there is is very telling if you've ever done it and then seen no difference in your results right 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 so we're sitting here going all right well we got timing we've got calorie restriction 
Some of you are going, man, you guys are talking a lot about calories on a fasting podcast, right? right? Well, <laughs> calories and hormones, they both matter, right? Yeah. You can you can outdo a nice 24-hour fast by making some poor food decisions. Sure. Yeah. Okay. In a matter of an hour or less, too. Yep. Doesn't well, take you, you know. Yeah, you might not feel great, but yeah, you can do it, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. The cool thing, another one of the percentages here was the time to hit your 50% of your daily caloric intake, right? So that amount of time that took place. Mm -hmm. Like, so if you started, if you open, say you're fasting, you're doing a four hour window, you open your window at 12, you hit 50% of your intake for the day by two mm -hmm. versus you open your window at eight and you hit 50% of your intake by 10. Hitting mm -hmm. your 50% intake by 10 was an additional 2% that was explained in terms of the results of that caloric restriction and outcome of weight loss. Uh, so the earlier the window, right? So if we're going to form some some like takeaways here, Tommy, mm -hmm. what would it look like in terms of, of application for long-term sustainability when it comes to fasting? Well, I think a couple of things to, to highlight are the fact that, you know, we, we basically still have, you know, between 40 and 50% of the, of the variation kind of left out. So apart from those two things, what I would say is that making sure that you know, the 41% the being the caloric restriction, controlling what's in my window, being very intentional about it, and that consistency over time, meaning that if I, if I pick an earlier eating window or an earlier OMAD, that's going to give me a bit better results over time versus a later OMAD. It's really easy to kind of settle into a dinner OMAD, but it's also very easy if you get used to dinner it can be more difficult to close your window too. And we hear that a lot because it can lead to a slippery slope, some nighttime snacking, maybe there's a drink or two involved. There's some social opportunities in the evening. It can be very difficult to like draw a line in the sand and then, you know, just, just actually start your fasting timer at that point. So the earlier eating window is going to be, you know, better results wise and could lead to better habits as well as, you know, just just picking the foods that I can stick with consistently and, you know, the, the time of the meal that I can actually stick to consistently versus feeling like every day, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do today. And it's, it's different every single day because that, that leads to a, a decrease in the effectiveness of what we're doing. Yeah. So simplicity is what I'm hearing. Yes. Like what yes. is the simplicity of this going to look like for me today? So you got to put a little bit of planning into it too, right? Yeah. And you know, if you've been fasting for a while, you know that, you know, they even mention it here in the article. They say some might find the strategy with time-restricted feeding offers mm -hmm. the appetite attenuating benefits, right? Mm, yeah. And, you know, modest benefits coming from alignment between nutrient intake and when you're eating those foods, that circadian component, right? Yes. Yeah. So we talk a lot about how do you feel with the meal and the food choices? Never mind about are you mentally restricting too much? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to eat? kale salads when you hate salad, right. like that's not a long-term solution, right? Yeah. And like then that you got the not, rebound effect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not that's not gonna work, right? Yeah. So the strategy is viable for you, but it's that consistent application that's really key. So I wanna highlight a couple more conclusions that came out of the, the health metric needle moving kind of outcomes from the calorie model, mm -hmm. and then summarize from the Science Direct article, what they recommend, which is directly applicable to what it is that we do in, yeah. a, in a fasting lifestyle, right? So a couple of things that they saw, and one of the cool takeaways was that they had a maintenance phase, right? Because this study was over two years. 
Mm-hmm. So significant, the caloric restriction, despite normal body mass, had huge impacts on blood pressure, LDL, HDL, and triglycerides, fasting insulin, yeah, HOMA nice. IR. Wow. We don't know what that is. We did a podcast episode on it, right? It's like the industry standard for insulin resistance measurement, yeah. insulin sensitivity, and insulin response. But interestingly enough, not so much on the glucose measures, but a huge increase, decrease, excuse me, on your metabolic syndrome score. So Mm. decreasing your chance of metabolic syndrome, right? So huge takeaways after a two-year. And in the maintenance phase, still during the weight maintenance phase, right? It's something we talk a lot about. Only 5% of people can keep the weight off for two plus years. So why start something if you're not going to finish it? Like, wait, what? What's my goal line? What's my goal weight? What do I do? That's a whole nother maintenance component outside of the weight loss component, right? That we're talking about with this conversation. But but do I really want to lose the same weight over and over again too, right? Right, right. No, because you know if you do that cycle, then you're going to gain more fat mass through those repeated cycles, right? Right. Which has been proven time and time again in in the articles. So Negative psychology too. Yeah, right. The harder it gets, because you look at yeah. it, and you're like, well, I've climbed this mountain and I know the yeah. other side's not so fun, I'm right? Bored so with this mountain. Yeah, <laughs> right. And yeah. it had enhanced effects on HDL insulin response in your CRP levels, which is that wow. little tricky inflammatory marker that blocks leptin from having the, the normal effect on telling your brain that you are full and that you, you know, it tells your brain, excuse me, it tells you that you need more food. It's like yeah. the leptin signals get blocked by the crp levels so your body doesn't have a normal hunger satiety type balance Mm -hmm. and you're always you're on just this chronic cycle of like i need to consume more consume more consume more consume more yeah always Um, yeah you always feel hungry right so really cool two years of moderate restriction significantly reduced the cardiometabolic risk factors and it's really cool it reduced these in young non-obese adults. So if it's doing that in mm. young non-obese adults, what is it doing for the lot of us that is trying to lose the weight for good, right, Tommy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's absolutely gonna be there. So in summary, the secondary analysis on the calorie data suggests in order to maximize your, your CR, your calorie restriction on weight loss, future protocols, here's the magic sauce, Tommy, should encourage (laughs) participants to adopt consistent timing of their first and last meals. Mm. Oh, hold on, drum roll, a shorter eating window (laughs) Yep. and earlier consumption of food, which is something that we have shifted our perspective on here over the course of the last two and a half years. Sure, yeah. And I, I remember so many times of caloric counting, caloric restriction, talking myself, just assuming that everything was going to come out in the wash, assuming that if I counted every calorie, even if I was counting all my macronutrients as well, that whether I had something at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. or or 1 a.m., if if that was the case, that it should overall balance out because, again, the assumption was a calorie is, is a calorie, which is a calorie. But there's a 59% of variance here that says, a calorie is not always just a calorie. And then there's also the fact that, you know, the the proof is in the pudding right here that meal timing matters, timing of the first and last meal matter, and consistency absolutely matters. Yeah, never mind the lifestyle component, right? So as we wrap up today's conversation, Tommy, a couple of things that you guys can do. We've created a community group on Facebook that has just an incredible amount of loving, caring, encouraging people in it. It is the coolest yeah. group, and I am biased, of, a lot course. of support, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I am biased for that lifestyle. How do I make this stick? Should I be eating later? Should I be 
What's your experience? Just hearing from other people that are on the same journey as you has mm. been incredibly powerful on my fasting and now yeah. attack on my last remaining few pounds of visceral fat journey. And having that soundboard, and you know, we joke a lot, like the first two rules of fasting are don't talk about fasting. Absolutely. Well, if you're on an island doing it by yourself, it can get lonely. So I want to invite you all yep. into the Fasting for Life community. It is a group of like-minded individuals that we're in there, we're moderating, we're talking, we're encouraging. And it's just mm -hmm. a really cool place to be around like-minded people on this journey as well. And then second thing is you heard in the open for today's episode, we have our last seven day fasting lifestyle challenge coming up at the end of this year. As we wrap up 2022, Tommy, and we move into 2023, here we are. <laughs> Thanksgiving to Christmas, we're it's, in the gauntlet. It's coming, yeah. Right? So yeah. strategically place this challenge right now, December 7th, right? Through December 13th, mm -hmm. the last challenge of the year, Tommy. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about and have alluded to, you know, kind of breaking down these different, the calorie study, and then the study talking about these different association between the timing of your eating and weight loss and calorie restricted adults. We talk a lot about that nuanced stuff in between on what happens when they're, you know, your fasting buddy isn't responding or mm. your spouse isn't on board or yeah. your coworkers just keep going to the taco truck every <laughs> single Tuesday, Tuesday, right? Like <laughs> all of that stuff. So I'm just excited because we've got some really cool stuff planned for this challenge. And if you want more information yeah. on to join the community group or the fasting challenge, Tommy, you can head to the show notes, click the link and you will get all of your questions answered. And Tommy, final thoughts as we wrap up today. Yeah, it's just, it's all about finding the things that help make it work for you that are effective and that you can continue to do that that you can actually make easier over time. So it doesn't feel like you're you're clawing your way, you know, upstream all the time. Because then then I mean what what other what other choice like long term do you do you kind of have? Like you, you start to get repelled away from it. So we have to find the ways to to make these things easier and stick and more repetitive over time so that they can be effective. Because getting the weight off is is literally the the highest correlation for any of the the effectiveness of the rebalancing of the hormones and the the sustainability piece too. So I just encourage you to keep doing what's working. Yep. And if what you're doing isn't working, it's time to do something different. Let us know how we can help. Yeah. See you in the community group. See you guys inside of the challenge, Tommy. Yes. Awesome conversation today, sir. As always, thank you. Appreciate you. And uh, um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.